KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Matt Leon. The country is still coming to grips with the Supreme Court's overturning of Roe versus Wade and what that means for abortion now and in the future. Now, obviously, this impacts women who want or need an abortion, but it also affects health care providers, doctors, nurses, who in a lot of cases now have to weigh serious legal ramifications when it comes to whether or not to provide care. We caught up with Terry Hinckley. She is the CEO of the Academy of Medical Surgical Nurses. Now, they are headquartered in Gloucester County, New Jersey, and we talked to her about the landscape for her members and what we are seeing in a post-Roe world. Since the overturning of Roe versus Wade, I'm just kind of curious what you are hearing from your members, what they have had to deal with. How has the landscape changed kind of boots on the ground out around the country? Well, I think, Matt, there's a lot of confusion. I think that um, nurses are really struggling to understand, and it's such an evolving situation. And I mean, it's still certainly highlighted in the news frequently. Uh, There's a lot of discussion about whether folks can travel between states if they need to, to get the care that they need to get. We certainly saw that a lot in Indiana with the 10-year-old girl that had to travel out of state to have an abortion uh, as a result of rape. And the landscape is just ever-evolving. And I think that's one of the concerns that nurses have, as well as all healthcare practitioners, is how how to stay on top of what's just such a dynamic situation, what's allowed, what isn't allowed, where do they look for that information in some cases? You know, I've heard not necessarily from our members, but I've uh, certainly heard of doctors, you know, reaching out to hospital administration or legal representation before providing care, all of which just makes it really complex and difficult when you're trying to deal in some cases with an emergency situation. A lot of these laws, it seems to me, at the state level are written vaguely, and it's a feature, not a bug, so that it just pushes people away from doing anything. And do you hear a lot of second guessing, like, should I do this? Am I allowed to do this? And like you said, these are not situations where you have a week to confer with counsel. You know, somebody is in trouble right in front of you. That's got to be incredibly frustrating, scary, you know, a lot of different things. Yeah, most certainly. And oftentimes when providing care, obviously care providers, nurses, physicians, the, the whole healthcare team follow, follows what we call evidence-based practice. And there there certainly are treatments indicated for conditions. And I'll use an example of a, a woman presenting with an ectopic pregnancy, which is a pregnancy that implants outside of the uterus. And it will 100% of the time, if it ruptures, result in the death of the mother. And, you know, finding that we're not able to care for patients the way that, you know, the indicated treatment at that point is to take the person to the operating room, remove, most often it's a fallopian tube where the pregnancy implants and provide the necessary care to the patient. And the fact that in some instances they're waiting for it to to become life-threatening before, you know, so they're they're delaying treatment waiting for it to actually be life or death because then they feel like they can act in those circumstances. Um, It's just delaying care and it's causing 
quite a bit of distress, actually, in healthcare practitioners who feel that they're not able to follow the standards for providing care to everyone in that situation. I think part of the problem is, and we're seeing this in the first you know, weeks since Roe was overturned, there's a lot of ripple effects and a lot of situations where people want the pregnancy and something happens, but can they get it taken care of? Like, it is a kind of all over the place. And that is what I think people have to kind of understand. They want this to be a very right, wrong, black, white issue. But there are things all across the spectrum that could lead to someone having to have an abortion. And now all those things are in limbo because of this. Am I correct? Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's even beyond that. So one point I'll make is you're exactly right. People would like things to be black and white. And in healthcare, I can tell you they are just never black and white. There's so many shades of gray. And for all of the reasons that you already mentioned, but it, even beyond, it, it seems to have morphed beyond even just a discussion about whether or not an individual can terminate a pregnancy in any situation. And it's I'm hearing stories of individuals not able to get their medication called methotrexate for rheumatoid arthritis because one of the side effects of that medication is it can it can terminate a pregnancy. People are having difficulty accessing just treatments for regular medical conditions that they have because there's a perception they could be used to cause a abortions. And that's these people have been on the medication for years. They need it to manage a disease condition that they have. They're not pregnant and they are still struggling to be able to get access to the medications they need. So it's not even as black and white as can we terminate a pregnancy. It seems to have even greater ramifications. We're kind of talking about this and looking at it from the healthcare side, the healthcare workers, and obviously that is important. But what are they hearing from patients? Because once again, one of the things that people don't like to discuss in this argument is the human situation. In a lot of cases, you've got young women who are in a terrible situation making an awful decision in the best of landscapes. And now I can't even get my head around how terrified some people must be because not only are they dealing with an awful human decision that's going to be with them the rest of their life, now they have to worry about legal ramifications. Like, what are they hearing from patients? And I think that's what's really difficult. I, I know for nurses, and again, I, I'll speak primarily for nurses, given my role, but I know it affects all healthcare practitioners, is that we're interfering in a deeply emotional and deeply personal time in someone's life. Listen, we know for a fact not any birth control is 100% effective. So even if you're using birth control to prevent an unwanted pregnancy, you are not going to be successful all of the time. We also know that there are many, many times when an individual plans a pregnancy, but the fetus isn't viable. The, the baby would never live. And now they're faced with carrying that baby to term. There are women that miscarry, that planned a pregnancy. It's a um, much desired pregnancy, but they have a miscarriage and they don't uh, miscarry all of the products of conception. And now there's you know uncertainty about how to treat them. There, there are instances where women are 
forced to, you know, expel the products of conception on their own. And it's just deeply traumatic. And for nurses, you know, dealing with that level of trauma and fear and uncertainty is really quite difficult for our profession, which really foundationally is a caring profession. I mean, it's certainly also scientific and based on evidence, but there is an inherent care. You know, we're all empathetic, caring individuals as nurses, and it's it's really quite distressing to watch you know, the the fear, the uncertainty. You know, there are women that are deleting their period tracking apps on their phone because they're worried what's going to happen with that data. Like there, There's a lot of fear around people of childbearing potential. You know, I have a 19-year-old daughter and a 30-year-old daughter, and it, it really is just quite distressing to think that they might not get the care that they could need in an emergency or other situation. And I think that nurses... We have a code of ethics, um, and we certainly refer to that in the statement that we put out on the overturning of Dobbs v. Jackson, that we have a code of ethics that guides the care that we provide, and we put aside perhaps our own personal beliefs at times to care for patients in need. And it feels like we're not able to provide full care to all people as a result of this decision. It's one thing if someone dies or some kind of tragic outcome when you have been able to do everything you can do. And I am sure there is still, in many cases, a guilt. I can only imagine what it would be like to be in that position and have tools in the toolbox you know you can use, but not be allowed to use them for political, legal reasons. Do you worry about that having a, a special kind of drag on the emotions of nurses? hundred percent. So I did my doctoral dissertation on something called second victim syndrome. And basically, it is the, the trauma, uh, the emotional, physical, and psychological distress that caregivers face when there's an unanticipated event with a patient. It could be the result of error, but isn't solely as the result of error. And the healthcare provider is significantly traumatized as a result of what happened to the patient. And I worry that we already have significant burden to healthcare practitioners coming out of the pandemic. We certainly talked about that on our, our previous podcast. And I worry that this is just going to further the frustration, the distress, the trauma for healthcare practitioners who aren't able to do what they know is is warranted and indicated in any of these circumstances. What is your message to those nurses in those situations? And are you already having these discussions internally? And I I would imagine there is already a lot of back channel communication about. I don't know how much longer I can do this. I just had to watch a 17-year-old girl go through X, Y, and Z. I mean, are you already hearing these stories? We're certainly hearing from individuals that they're quite concerned. I haven't had any members reach out that have actually faced uh, a circumstance or a situation like that, but there's always an anticipatory fear, if that makes sense. What do <laughs> I do if I find myself in this situation? And really what we are trying to help members navigate at this point is trying to 
make sure they have the information relevant to their state so that they understand what exactly the requirements are in their state, making sure they have the most up-to-date information in a rapidly changing environment, as I mentioned earlier, and then just also providing the support that the individuals need, making sure that they have access to resources, making sure that in some instances, they have preemptive conversations with their employers. What do we do if this situation arises? What is the institution prepared to do? How am I supposed to act if this happens, you know, in the middle of a night, for example, and working with other healthcare practitioners, there's been some statements coming out by physician and nursing organizations together because obviously healthcare is practiced as a team. And so they're working together to try and be clear on either institutionally or at the state level, what's appropriate. So really it's about sharing as much information as we can at this point so that they they feel that they have the tools in their toolbox to try and navigate this if they find themselves in that situation. We need to take a break. We will have more with Terry Hinckley right after this. This is KYW News Radio In-Depth. And we are back continuing our conversation on KYW News Radio In-Depth with Terry Hinckley. There are a lot of people with very strong opinions who treat a lot of this like an intellectual exercise and don't want to be bothered with the very graphic human stories, which are the inevitable result of decisions that are made. How important is it to have, you know, even if it's striking, even if it's uncomfortable, even if it's disturbing, but to have this kind of put in the public, like, listen, this is what it is, and you should probably form your opinions and form your ideas based on what's really happening. That really hits to what I think is at the heart of this. You mentioned earlier that people want it to be black or white. Listen, Matt, I am not aware of a single individual that doesn't value life, especially in the healthcare. That's what we exist to do, is to care for people. And the fact that it really is so many shades of gray, as I mentioned earlier, is what I think we have to be discussing, is that you know, no one is using abortion as a form of birth control. Uh, no one sets out to get pregnant so they can have an abortion. That's just not, that's not the human condition. But what we have to recognize, I feel, and be having conversations about is all of the unintended consequences of a decision. Listen, I absolutely understand that there are people that do not believe in abortion. And you are 100% entitled to your opinion. But when we start imposing beliefs on other individuals, that's where I find it to be problematic because you can't understand the deeply personal and traumatic decision that comes along for any given individual related to whether to continue a pregnancy or not, either by choice or not. And there's so many instances in healthcare where it's not by choice. Those individuals deserve treatment for their medical condition. And, and we've, we've now put that at risk. Do you kind of brace yourself for that first time you get a call and one of your members has been arrested for being part whatever? And how much does that gnaw at you? I certainly worry about this every day. And I, I'm not overstating that. I'm, I'm deeply distressed at the thought that an individual doing their job could be held legally responsible for providing the necessary care to a person. And I I just, I worry that 
to your point, we're going to get that call and that we're going to do everything that we possibly can to support that member, but our hands might be effectively tied depending on the state and depending on what the state legislation says. And to feel unable to provide the the help that a member would need in that circumstance is, is certainly very frustrating. And I worry about that. And I, I have to say, I'm, I'm already worried about healthcare practitioners and nurses specifically that because of the pandemic, because of Redonda Vaught, because of um, numerous challenges that they're facing staffing right now is I got an email uh, not to take us too far off topic, but I got an email recently from someone who literally was begging for help in trying to navigate the staffing situation in their institution and and how could we help them. It's heartbreaking when people are trying to do a good job and to save lives and to promote health and feel that they don't have the resources to be able to actually do that. And it's deeply traumatizing to individual healthcare practitioners when they're not able to do that. And I don't want to, I don't mean this to come across this to be like, oh, it, everything will eventually be fine. It's just new. But like, do you think we will hit a point? Because this seems like this is going to be the lay of the land for the foreseeable future, where you'll be able to get your arms around what can be done in situations in certain states or I would think another one of the things that keeps you up at night is that this is just going to continue to be this murky, you know, things always changing, and that's almost an impossible landscape to deal with. I agree. I think that there's certainly something to be said about legislative bodies, even well-intentioned, don't understand the healthcare system well enough to be putting legislation in black and white and in legal language that actually covers all of the gray areas that we've been talking about. So I think that certainly things will become clearer, perhaps at the state level, in terms of what is permissible and what isn't. But I I'd still think that there will continue to be those gray zones that people will struggle to navigate. And I feel that it's Probably, you know, the fact that they're now talking in some states about whether or not individuals can leave the state, for example, to go to another state to get the care that they're not able to get in their own state, and the fact that we're having those discussions, that's another level, I think, of uncertainty that we're going to have to face and navigate. So if you're a care provider in a sanctuary state, for example, Governor Murphy took steps recently to make New Jersey one of those safe haven states for individuals. Nurses in New Jersey might also have the question, well, what does this mean if someone travels here from a state where abortion isn't allowed and am I now risking, even though New Jersey says it's okay to provide that care, what are the ramifications in that other state? I think it's going to be a while before we we actually see this play out and settle into something, some, you know, some sort of semblance of understanding what all of the different dynamics are. And just the fact that we have 50 states and each one of them will have their own legislation related to this makes it very difficult, I think, for a healthcare practitioner to navigate. And I think kind of in closing that something people need to realize that abortion is still going to be present. What overturning Roe versus Wade in a lot of cases 
has changed is it has eliminated the access to a safe abortion and kind of another ramification, another offshoot of this is that it is very likely, if I'm almost certain, that we're going to hear stories about women who die because they went, quote unquote, to get a back alley abortion. That's such an important point. This action will not stop abortion. I think we have to just really be clear about that. People who need an abortion will still seek out an abortion. And all we've done is take them out of facilities where they can get competent, safe abortions and pushed it into the shadows again. And we know what happens when you do that. We know that maternal mortality will go up. We know that um, people of color will be disproportionately affected. It really doesn't make sense for us to assume that this action will stop abortion from taking place. But what it will stop is safe abortion from taking place. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio in depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.